0: From the Jesse Burkett Memorial Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the HardballTimes.com, this is Stealing Home. I'm David Temple. Baseball is distinct in many ways the lack of a clock, the fact that the defense possesses the ball, the length of the seasons. But let us not forget that the actual place of the game, the field itself, is always unique. Like giant green snowflakes, no one playing surface looks exactly the same as the other. Football and basketball games are played within regimented, precisely measured boundaries. Baseball's birthplace in the cities of America lent itself to be played in highly unique venues, each park shaped to be shoehorned into the valuable metropolitan plots of land. The polo grounds had its massive outfield, Fenway, its green monster. And while modern parks strive to bring somewhat consistent amenities to its players and fans, there are still those celebrated differences present today. Oakland has its massive foul territory. Coors is a bandbox. San Diego is where fly balls go to die. From the impromptu stickball fields constructed on city streets to domed monstrosities at the outermost points of the continent, every field has its own voice. But when does quaint individualism reach its bounds? Can a ballpark be too unique? For a good chunk of the 20th century, Austin, Texas was home to perhaps the most bizarre baseball field in which any meaningful games took place. From an overhead view, Clark Field, the home of the Texas Longhorns, looked not too unlike any other. We often think of park dimensions in these views, the aerial, the size of the outfield, and the distance from home to the fences. Clark Field had a shorter distance to center than some parks, but that's not what set it apart. To see the real uniqueness of Clark Field, you had to stand on home plate. From there, you could see what made Clark Field so different.
1: So Texas's old Clark Field, up until 1974, had a split-level outfield.
0: That's the voice of E.J. Fagan, a displaced Yankees fan and a current Ph.D. student at Texas. And you heard him correctly. The outfield at Clark Field was split. And the field was bifurcated by a very unique center field wall.
1: It was a 12-foot-high cliff with a small path that led up to it, and the whole area was in play.
0: And though Clark Field is gone, there are a few pictures remaining. And the pictures do not disappoint
1: the craziest field that I've ever seen in my life.
0: The story goes that when Texas was building Clark Field, workers had to blast away part of the original slope in the outfield for rock that would help build up home plate in the grandstands. The blasting left a cliff in dead center. And for some reason, they left it there. For 46 years.
1: In use from the 1928 season to 1974.
0: For 46 years, anytime a ball was hit well toward center, the left fielder would take to sprinting up a footpath that extended from left to the plateau above the center field cliff, 52 feet wide and straightaway center. As you can imagine, this created some interesting outfield play for both teams, but Texas had home field advantage. And they used it.
1: Apparently, the the Texas outfielders liked it because they were the only ones who knew how to play there. Uh, And they they won a whole lot of championships uh, in the stadium.
0: They certainly did. At one point, they won nine straight Southwest Conference championships and won or tied for the title 48 times in their last 58 years at the park. When visitors came to Clark Field the Longhorns were prepared.
1: There's one story that the coach used to like blindfold his outfielders and have them like navigate the path.
0: That is, of course, one of many stories associated with such a strange park. As Paul Burke wrote in the April 1974 edition of Texas Monthly, quote, A ball hit over the center fielder's head appeared destined for higher ground. The left fielder charged up the path to the plateau, intent on holding the batter to a triple. The center fielder went back to the base of the cliff, and he leaped for the ball. The shortstop raced in the center, awaiting a relay, and the third baseman covered his base hopefully. They all guessed wrong. The ball hit the top of the bluff, evading the desperate leap of the center fielder and ricocheted into left field. The closest person to the ball was the runner, as he rounded second. A funny story, certainly, but inside the park home runs are not unheard of. But doubling? Into a double play? Quote, With men on first and second, a Texas batter drove the ball to deep center. The runners stayed close to their bases, not knowing whether the ball would be caught. The enemy center fielder judged the rebound off the limestone perfectly, and the runners tried to make up for lost time. When the confusion ended, Texas had too many men on third base, and two of them were out. End quote. Funny stories aside, for the most part, Texas benefited from players who knew how to play and how to hit in their one-of-a-kind park. And after a while, the NCAA, like it does with most things, ruined it.
1: It was enough that uh, the NCAA toward the latter part of the the field's life uh, wouldn't allow the uh, upper portion of the field to be in play. Um, And so it was an automatic ground rule double if you hit something into the upper portion uh, for the last three or four NCAA championships that were, that were played there.
0: Clark Field is no longer. Never again will fans be able to see players scramble around and up an outfield. Maybe it was unfair to the opposing teams. Maybe it was a lot to ask of outfielders to deal with both the Texas Heat and a rocky path, all in the name of a ball game. But baseball lost something when Clark Field was torn down. It was the epitome of ballpark individualism, a strange and terrible push toward the edges of reason. It was silly, and weird, and cool, and confounding just like the game it housed for half a century.
1: The, the fact that this exists is something that can only happen in baseball.
0: Stealing Home is written, produced, and hosted by the very handsome David Temple and distributed by the Hardball Times. For great baseball writing on your computer, tablet, or phone screen every weekday, visit thehardballtimes.com. Special thanks to E.J. Fagan for turning me on to this story and for speaking with me. E.J. is a Yankees writer at itsaboutthemoney.net. You can follow him on Twitter at E.J. Fagan, F-A-G-A-N. If you like the show, please take a moment to give it a positive review on iTunes and to tell a friend, preferably the most influential friend you have. You can keep up with the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Stealing Home Radio, and you can follow me on Twitter at David G. Temple. That's it for now. I'll see you next time on Stealing Home.